All right, we're back. Another edition. Um, over the last like two, three weeks, I've watched like something of of around probably three, four hundred hours of college basketball. There's college I, basketball on. Yeah, I forgot how much I love March Madness, but I also forgot how at the end of day four, opening weekend, I'm like exhausted because I've just experienced 72 hours of basketball. I got another day and then luckily there's a break and the sweet 16 is Saturday this year, but it feels weird that day four is on Monday this year instead of Sunday uh, because it still throws everything out of whack. It's kind of, it's always cool to watch, um, you know, people um, talk about college basketball that don't do it all year, like Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith um, and Ernie Johnson. <laughs> Um, the the Charles Barkley. So I went watching the WVU game. Um, it, it sounds like even even in the um, the big leagues, if you will, with with those announcers, they don't necessarily give the time of day to the smaller teams always. Which I mean, I guess it makes sense. You do your research on the top teams, the thing teams that you could think that would win. Uh, before the WVU game, it was basically like Morehead State is a team. But WVU, they have all these guys. And, and I mean, I, I, I guess that's bound to happen, right? But all you need is one Oral Roberts to put yourself on the map. And like we said off air, Oral Roberts, their enrollment's up, baby. Yeah, a lot of applications went in over the weekend. I, um, by the way, you've already heard it like several times, but it's going to happen constantly in their Sweet 16 game, the comparison to Florida Gulf Coast, like constantly. Um, someone told me over the weekend, uh, by the way, I had a good vacation mixed with March Madness. That was awesome. Um, no wrestling today in the background, as you obviously can tell. Uh, <clears throat> but someone told me over the weekend that they don't like March Madness. They don't like college basketball. You're an idiot. <laughs> I, I, basketball is not my favorite sport. And if, and if you listen to this, you may be able to tell that just based on my takes of basketball but even as a non I, I love college basketball I love my I love WVU and unfortunately they're out of the tournament but I love college basketball more than the NBA but if you don't like March Madness if you can't sit and watch those games that's like the best weekends of college football right I kind of equate them the same but March Madness is better because it's literally non-stop and everything runs into another there's all the ups it there is not another time of year like March Madness. No, I, I do have a question though. What have we seen more of so far in the commercials? By the way, halftime of the Ohio Creighton game. Uh, Creighton's kind of pulling away. Um, and the Pac 12 has had a fantastic, fantastic start. So we're not doing conversation corner on the back half because it is obviously not slow right now in sports. Um, so we're going to go back to our uh, football roots and do weekend recap because uh, there's a lot to talk about, obviously, stories and, and, and everything. But let's talk about this on the front half instead of the back. What commercial have we seen more of so far? Have we seen the wipeout commercial with John Cena or have we seen the Samuel Jackson, Charles Barkley commercials more so far? What have we seen more of? Because I feel like it's been the wipeout. I've also seen, I feel like the one that I've seen the most is the one where um, Reggie Miller lives in the Wendy's 
That yeah, I forgot about that one. That that was on like 30, 30 seconds ago. And and Kenny Smith's like holding the bag. He's like, yeah. I got the wrong thing, and he pulls the blind down. And if if you also noticed the resurgence of the Dikembe Mutombo Geico commercial. Yeah, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's old or if it if it's the old one or the or it's uh, new. Like I don't know. Yeah, what that I mean. I remember, I remember when it first came out, and I mean that was that was a fun thing to do, right? You'd walk around with your friends, and somebody do anything, and you'd bat it out of them. You knocked in my house, but like, I I don't know, like it, it's definitely even if it is a remake of the original, that commercial's old, right? It's like five or six years old. Has to be. <clears throat> um, I think I was crazy. Yeah, I um. Well, well, we'll talk all March Madness stuff on, on the back half, but yeah, I forgot about the Wendy's commercial. The, it's weird seeing John Cena with like a hosting gig. It's almost like he's following the exact footsteps the Rock did in Hollywood, and he's just following the footsteps. Hey, when you're good at something and you can make money off of it, I, I think that's I think that's one of the thing that just the general public may not understand about wrestlers. Is, is that these people are, are, are essentially athletic actors. So there's a presentation aspect to what they do. And if you're good at it, pursue it. And of course, John Cena and The Rock are probably two of the biggest names in wrestling history. So they, they can continue to do it, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, fun fact, today is 22 years ago, The Rock got showered in a beer bath from stone cold mm. so big time throwback yeah so diving into buy or sell um my first story is kind kind of a uh, a really awesome one survivor torched the internet this afternoon internet's going wild survivor's back survivor's going into production here in like the next like couple weeks uh middle of april maybe the first week of may and it is going to be back on TV in the fall. It feels like every other show that's reality, whether it was the challenge, like you think about the challenge, the challenge, what TJ and those guys do. And, you know, obviously I'm sure we'll have TJ on again in the future, but him to do that the way they did in Prague um, during the pandemic, like that, that was insane. But it seems like what the big hurdle was is not so much the survivor team. It was the fact that Fiji had real strict protocols, I guess. And Fiji has a very, very great relationship with survivor, all versions, Australia, whatever, us, whatever. And they're going to be filming. And it's, it's, it's awesome because it seems like that's a part of TV that people still watch. Obviously, you know, that I watch it I mean, when you think about it, it's so hard to sustain viewers on a TV show to begin with. But what Survivor does, I, I, I don't know if you're a ratings guy. I do follow ratings a lot when it comes to stuff. But Survivor averages like 10 to 12 million people per episode. Dude, that's stuff that Game of Thrones did only in the last season, you know, on HBO. Mm -hmm. Like This is stuff that like Survivor averages per week. And it, it's crazy. It's awesome. And uh, it's, it's kind of awesome that it's torching the internet today like it is. I, I mean, I think, I, I think something like this is probably harder to film given the, given the protocols because you're talking about being out of the country and then you're, not to be ironic, but masking, you know, two or three different 
types of protocols that you have to use with it. But hey, Survivor's been around a long time for a reason. And they're still able to sustain viewership and still able to garner the garner the people that want to watch it. So there's there's obviously a reason why. And and I think when when you compare it to Game of Thrones or something, I think the I think the big difference is shows like that, um, any sitcom. I know Game of Thrones is not a sitcom, but anything of that nature can be seen as more niche. You know, you have to enjoy the story of Game of Thrones, or you have to um, find the humor of The Office or Friends or something like that. But I think I think Survivor could almost be seen as a more uh, widespread appeal because it's competition. I've I've started to notice that recently when it comes to my TV habits, and and I think that's one reason that I I could get into Survivor, is even when I'm not watching sports, I like to watch something competitive. And, and I think maybe even for sports fans, it's an opportunity to watch something that's reality and say, hey, this is still something that I can, because I can root for people, I can fall into, you know, a fandom of some sort with that. So I, I dig it. Hey, Survivor's back. What what season is this? It's got to be like season 40, right? Season 41. I was, I was darn close. I should get a point. I would win on the prices, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> What's special about uh, Survivor versus other reality shows too, like I, you would think people would have fatigue because they do two seasons a year, a spring and a fall, but people obviously aren't fatigued and, you know, talking from someone who's hopefully a future uh, member of a season down the road, hopefully very soon, it's um, fascinating because their medical staff, I'm, I know for a fact, is obviously involved anyway. If you watch, if you ever watch videos on YouTube um, and look them up, like after tribal council, like whoever the person is that gets voted out, there's like a tent and they get weighed and like they go through medical protocols and stuff like that. So can you imagine how strict they'll be with this? Because um, it's, I mean, it's a hard game anyway. You know, it you, you don't eat, you don't sleep. It, it's draining on your body and. It's, it is wild. It's awesome. And um, yeah, I'm just glad it's on CBS and not Paramount Plus, which seems to be some, some advertisement I see every 10 seconds. Do you get the same one I get with Trevor Noah and Stephen Colbert? I get that one a lot. And I also get um, stream all your CBS sports on Paramount Plus mm. popping up. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but the one I seemingly get the most is the one with like the nighttime comedian. I I mean, I get it, but I also don't get it because I've never watched any of those shows in my life. So it doesn't necessarily make sense. But hey, Survivor's back. Um, do you think do you think that's a show that they could? I mean, I feel like they could just keep making seasons. I, I don't feel like you would have to stop this anytime soon because people will continually be interested and ready to go with it. Ironically, I feel like in some ways that it not being on TV for a year now, a year and, and a half almost, helps them because when you do do two seasons, you know what I mean, a year, a spring and a fall, and you air that on TV and they're always 12 or 13 weeks long, someone might get tired of that eventually. I will say if you ever do watch it, you don't have to watch all the seasons because uh, obviously just like anything, some are better than others. But if you do watch Survivor ever, Anybody out there? Survivor Kagi on season 28 is, I'm not just saying this as a Survivor fan. I'm saying this as someone who watches a lot of television and movies. 
that's one of the most interesting, intense pieces of television I've ever watched. Like from the competition to the high stakes, to the mentalness, like it's not just, you know, it is reality TV, but like, it was a fantastic, fantastic high stakes, like from, from the moment. There it is. One season. I, and I know you've told me too, if I watch one season of Survivor, that's the one I have to watch. So I'll, I'll cue that up and maybe over the summer, whenever baseball gets frustrating and I'm done watching the six and 31 pirates. Yeah. The dog days are going to be rough this year. <laughs> They're typically always rough. So, but we'll, we'll, we'll make it past it. Uh, so I have a couple different sports here. So we're going to do a little bit of a little bit of an option here. I, I want you to choose. So I have a baseball story. I have a football story. And I also have a, it's not, it, it is college basketball, but it's not necessarily college basketball. So I, I want to let you pick. What, what do you want to do first? Baseball, football, or basketball? Well, I didn't even know there were other sports going on right now. So let's do baseball. Okay. So baseball. So this is a little bit maybe broader um, in, in terms of scope here, but um, believe it or not, there is other things happening right now. Spring training's going on. I know I'm not a big spring training guy, but the big baseball news of the day is, is that the new MLB, the show dropped. 2021, the show dropped. Um, they are bringing in the legend Roberto Clemente for the game. So that's, that's actually really cool from, I'm not even a gamer, but I think that's cool that he'll be in the game. Uh, one of my idols of the world will be in the game. But my, my question to you is, is how much stock, you know, do you buy or sell these game drops? Um, you know, these, these big trailers that put up a lot of hype that I think in turn with sports games, you really can't change too much. Right. So do you, do you buy or sell the fact that we're still charging, you know, $70 for updated rosters on a game every year that, that's pretty much the exact same gameplay every year, uh, really across all sports, not just baseball. Baseball just happens to be in season. Well, I know that <clears throat> at some point I am going to get the new Xbox and get MLB the show because that was the one thing I missed out on is always being an Xbox guy and it being a PlayStation exclusive. And they stopped making MLB baseball in 2004 um, when Manny Ramirez was on the cover. And I played 2K um, baseball on Xbox, but that was just, it was weird. Um, what, I, what I do buy is sports games are still fun. Um, like, I don't know if you've ever played FIFA, but FIFA's a rush. I do not like Madden. Madden has been the same since like 2009. I don't know why I said it like that. 2009. Um, it's literally you could buy Madden 2009 and just update the rosters, and that's that's what the game is. Like they've never there's when there is a trend on Twitter last summer, EA stopped making Madden. You know you're doing a bad job. So um, I think trailers for anything though. Like if you drop a trailer that looks good enough, it makes you want to see it, or at least try to look into it a little bit more. Um, games don't really do that for me though. Um, you know, if I like a game, I like a game. If not, whatever, you know, what, whatever. I think the next game that I would consider because the, the most recent gaming system that I have is a PlayStation three. And I probably got that in 2010 or 11. So I haven't bought a new game system in 10, 11 years. I think the next game 
that could make me want to buy a system would be the next Grand Theft Auto whenever that comes out. Um, but but I agree with when it comes to sports games. I think the 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 nature of sports games though is uh, Madden is is definitely the worst. But I think the nature of sports games is is that they really don't change a whole lot, right? Because it's not like you can really change sports games a whole lot. Uh, the big thing in this MLB, the show that people were kind of starting to clamor over, um, obviously being able to play as Roberto Clemente. I think this is the first time he's ever made an appearance in MLB, the show. So he's like an unlockable or premium character. I know that they do um, do the way you buy games different now, too. You actually just download it onto your system. But um, the, the big thing that people are looking forward to is being able to create your own stadium. There's a stadium creation mode in this MLB, the show. Um, I don't know about you, but whenever I played, I had more fun oftentimes creating the player, creating the team, creating the car, whatever game you're playing, almost as I did playing the game itself. So I think that's a really cool feature, but I, I don't know if you fall into that same category of, of really just mesmerizing yourself in the creation aspect of it. No, not really. Um, I do, when I used to play 2K all the time in college and be like heavily invested in 2K, mm -hmm. there was a mode in uh, NBA 2K where um, you could play career mode, but they had a, what was called my park mode. I don't know what they call it now, but I mean, I, I might play 2K again one day, but Essentially, you you know, you play pickup basketball with other creative players online and whatever stats you've got over your actual career, like in your player mode or whatever, mm -hmm. translate to the court. So like my guy was terrible at shooting threes and he was just pretty much Greg Oden inside the paint. He was like the most fragile guy ever. But those kind of things are more fun to me, I think. Modes like that where the game continues to evolve, like... Mm -hmm you really are right. Like sports games hardly like ever change. Um, when NCAA football comes back though, I think I'll be locked away in a bunker for at least two weeks. You and literally everybody else that ever played that game though. Because I remember being so invested into NCAA football. I remember one time someone was like, Hey, do you want to go, want to go see uh, the football game tonight? Like it was like Friday night football game. And I was like, nah, I got a big game. Uh, UNLV. I'm up for the Heisman trophy. Like, like that's how much I love NCAA football. Oh, yeah. Uh, hot take here, though. I will be completely honest. Um, I know we're, we're going out of order with our um, segments and days, but hot take. I never played a career mode. Any sport. Yeah. I was more of just like a play a game, one off, have fun type person. Yeah. I, I don't know. They got to they gotta bring – like an A plus announced team, by the way, to like hmm. NCA football. Like maybe bring Herbie and Fowler, or here's a curveball: bring Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt, a Fox team. Give me Gus Johnson. If you if you could guarantee me right now that Gus Johnson would be the voice, I have nothing against Herbie and Fowler, but we've discussed even how much we love Gus Johnson's calls. So he's incredible. Let's let's. I love that Gus Johnson for for college football. So my second story, I, I haven't seen Falcon and Winter Soldier yet. I, uh, I will watch it sometime this week, uh, probably when basketball dies down. But Justice League, this, the Snyder Cup got released. Um, so that was the very first thing I did on Thursday. 
And it was four hours, seven minutes, six parts. To me, I could say that was the longest movie I, I've watched in my life. But when I, when I think back of it, I, I don't really think it's a movie. I think it, what it was was a six-part miniseries that it should have been broken up. Because if, if you're being honest, like when you watch six episodes of Stranger Things, that's like four hours. So you're doing the same thing. It just, you know, you're watching a continuous motion. But it's getting great reviews. Um, 55% by critics, 74% by Rotten Tomatoes. I'm buying it because I think it showed for the first time in a long time that fans have a powerful voice when it comes to something. And the movie that was put out this past week on HBO Max, completely 110% different than the original one. Now, it still has holes. It still has plot holes or whatever. But I'm buying it for the sense and the fact that, look, man, it was completely different. And this is the movie that I was supposed to see. Now, of course, if it was put in theaters, it wouldn't have been four hours long. However, it was so, so, so different that it was different in a great way because you got more character depth. You got more character arc. I'm sure there's a lot of deleted scenes that were in there. Now, of course, there's a lot of parts in the movie, too, that like were from the, the crappy version that were in theaters. But it wasn't like the one that was in theaters was like trying to be Marvel with like witty humor and like very lighthearted. This was not that this was like really dark. And like at times it was like, Oh, that's serious. <laughs> do you, I mean, I, I know that you enjoyed this movie, but do you think that that almost makes it better then? Because like, I feel like there's, I, there's a time for humor, right? But I feel like with superhero movies, and it might just be because my favorite superhero movie is The Dark Knight. I know that's the most basic thing to say. But like, do you think that some of that actually just comes from the fact that it it's almost makes it better with that when there's a, a stronger storyline and it carries itself better when it is a little bit more dark? Uh, in this sense, I do. Because they're like, I'm not trying to give spoilers away. Um, without saying too much, there are people from the first movie that only had like two lines and felt like they were fillers mm -hmm. and they were just there and that they shouldn't have had a credit at the end of the movie. Where in this one, they had like an actual role. Like they, they presented a purpose. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Well, I, I think I've I've seen a lot of reviews of it too, and I, I think it seems like the fan base is very happy with this, and this is what they wanted. So, I, I would buy it for that too. Again, it's well documented that I'm not um, a superhero movie watcher of the DC or even Marvel variety, but I, I think that it seems like this is what the fans wanted. But also, I, I I'm starting to really buy the motto of this show because that's that's really where it seems like TV and just movies kind of even in general are moving is to this model where you break it up and you you mentioned Stranger Things and I realized that kind of watches more like an actual TV series in the way that they do it. But I wonder if you'll see more things like this where you'll just see six or seven episodes of something and it, it, um, it, almost, it almost watches like a movie, but it's not a movie. There's a show on Netflix, I, I, the, the name eludes me, but it's only like six or seven episodes. It's fantastic because it watches like a movie 
it it has all the same character development and plot but you don't feel like it goes on too long right you feel like you can sit and watch six or seven episodes of something uh even though it's a little bit longer but you're you're almost willing to do it if you're captured in so i i would imagine that that's probably the same way because you find yourself invested in those characters and that you're able to invest yourself over that time even if it is longer than a normal movie yeah it was uh it was really long <laughs> as as opposed to being there for like two hours but do you uh, and now this sounds like a stupid question and it probably is because there's more time to it but do you feel like you get more substance when you watch it over uh, you know a six or seven hour time period it, it you know you do you feel more invested in it or, or do you even feel that where like halfway through that you're like i still gotta watch three or four more episodes of this when i got to part four it was like, um, I have two more parts to watch. Like, not in a bad way, but it was like, you feel like you're halfway done. And I look at the time and it's like, I have two hours and 10 minutes left. And I've already watched like two hours and like 25. As long as it's good. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Like it was, I, I didn't feel like I wasted time. I felt like I watched watched something that was and intended the way that it was meant to be seen if that makes sense mm -hmm. like this isn't a spoiler at all because it's been in the trailers but barry allen's girlfriend um mm -hmm. she didn't even like she was cast in the role she like in the theater version she like didn't have like she wasn't even in the thing like she she's actually in this like that like little small things like that you know what i mean like a small character difference tells a better character story. I think that's fair. I, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised based on the success of this and the success of one division among others that will come out. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing this kind of um, development for a lot of series now where, where you see a six or seven episode drop and, you know, one a week and then people just stay with it. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if we move to that model in the, in the very near future. Yeah, live update real quick before you get to your story. Michigan down 19-12, 12 minutes and um, 12 minutes left in the first half. What in the world? Who is Michigan playing again? Remind me. LSU. LSU. I was gonna say I don't have it on my TV here. Yeah. Well, we we might not have any Big Ten teams left here. Well, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in the second. <laughs> we'll talk about that and we can recap. Yeah, that's um that's a major story in itself. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to move to football here um, just because the, the basketball story again is, is kind of like a, another overarching story, but uh, football is a, a recent development that I've saw here in the last couple of days. And something that I'll be honest, I'm not sure if I, if I buy or sell it, I'm kind of indifferent to it right now. There's a lot of speculation around the NFL. It's getting to be draft time as all of our good NFL fans know. There's a lot of speculation that NFL GMs, coaches, all alike, are now starting to be skeptical of Devontae Smith's size. Now, Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner. We saw that last year. Incredible season, stepped up in Jalen Waddell's absence. Great athlete. One of the best seasons we've seen for a receiver in college football history. But he weighs in at under 170 pounds. And a lot of people think that's concerning in today's NFL. Uh, with much bigger receivers, I think of a guy from Pittsburgh like Chase Claypool, who is built just absurd for a wide receiver. Do you buy or sell that there's concern around somebody's 
size when it comes to the league, or are you looking at his ability? What what's kind of your take on on that when it comes to Devontae Smith? At wide receiver, I do because he's going to take a lot of hits, and if anything, he's a slot guy. He's not a one or a two. You know, of course, we'll have to prove people will, you know, like us <laughs> who are you know lowly podcasters, uh, not lowly not lowly podcasters, but we're podcasters. You know what I mean? We're not sitting in NFL front offices. But I think what's fascinating about it, he could also have like a Desmond Howard type thing where he's just really a return guy, a role player, plays like six, seven seasons in the league. He's not a bust, but, uh, you know, if you, you look back and you're like, oh, would I waste a first-round pick on him, you know, type thing. I think what's really fascinating about the whole thing is the NFL is really pushing this narrative about the draft during March uh, March Madness weekend. And they released photos today, like computer-generated photos of what their stage and stages will look like in Cleveland for the draft. It was really awkward timing. It was like trying to beat the most popular sporting event of the year as far as, uh, like, March belongs to college basketball. But, like, for them to do that today was awkward. And I think I think if anything, um, what will happen is he'll fall to the second or third round. If anything, you know, if he doesn't work out in an NFL team, the XFL isn't, uh, isn't too far away. I mean, you know, people who play in the XFL, it seemed like the second time around actually got calls for the NFL, unlike people who played in the AAF, like where – couple guys like here and there got calls yeah well the the interesting thing i think that we're seeing with Devontae smith now is is obviously as we get closer to draft time and this concern comes up <clears throat> this isn't like a 40 time this isn't like people didn't know that he was smaller and lankier than most receivers in the league we watched this guy play and everyone gawked over his talent. So it's, it's odd to me that we, that we inch closer to draft time now and people say, Oh, should we be worried about his size? I mean, should we, the, the only concern that I have on that end is really kind of a point that you alluded to saying that when, when you talk about somebody of his size, I think of clearly more of a slot guy. Um, you know, there are small receivers that can take that number one role again, hearkening back to a, another Steelers receiver. Antonio Brown, I think, weighed he was about 190, 195 pounds, 5'10. And I mean, he was a great number one receiver, but that's that's a I feel like that's an exception to the rule. Normally, the number one ride receiver is a little bit bigger, traditionally getting bigger in time. But I, I think it's going to be what the team values because at this point, you're looking at it saying. Some people will see him as a slot receiver. Do we want to spend in the first round pick on this guy if we're not confident in his ability to be a number one pick? Do we trust a guy like Jamar Chase or um, uh, Jalen Waddle more, who's a little bit bigger in size? But you also weren't going to deny Devontae Smith's talent. I think he'll probably still go first round because somebody won't want his talent to get out of the first round. But I, I think it's going to be an interesting decision just based on different NFL personnel and also where teams are at in, in the, the, the free agency and wide receiver realm, too. I mean, that that plays a lot into this, too. But it, it is an interesting discussion just because, number one, it, this isn't like we didn't know this already. We knew that he was a smaller guy. But also, number two, it could also turn some teams away knowing that. But, you know, if we're, you know, if we're going to be drafting in Cleveland and we're going to do draft day in Cleveland, um, Vontae Mack better be the number one pick and Bo Callahan will go second, taking his uh, bribe in the back of the book, right? 
Oh, that movie. That movie, Draft Day, man. I, do you like that movie? So the thing about it, I actually have them pulled. I have it pulled up behind me here because I couldn't remember the characters' names. I don't hate the movie, but the, the thing about it is, is people watch it. I mean, and, and I get that it's, you know, it's, a, it's okay. But at the same time, you have to admit, even if you like the movie, it is so unrealistic. You have to admit so that that would never happen. I'm sure calls sound like that in some regard. And, you know, there might be fun between GMs and such, but it, no shot. Any of that is real. That is not how these conversations happen. No, I will have to say, by the way, as a friend to a friend, it was really funny for me to see how pumped up you were over minimal, minimum <laughs> signing in Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, because I, I mean, you're the only guy that I know that like treated that like it was the greatest thing that they had done all off season or since like December. But well, to be fair, when your other free agent signings that are not re-signings are Joe Haig and Miles Killebrew, you, you need something to, you need something to celebrate. Yeah, I guess so. I, what I think will happen with Devontae though. To be honest with you, I think what could end up happening is he finds himself struggling, even if he does have some success, because Amari Cooper is a little bit bigger and almost kind of around the same weight, but he's uh, not having success anymore in Dallas. And uh, I, I don't know. That's to me one of the most fascinating NFL things I've ever seen. He struggled. He does well in Oakland struggles in Oakland, gets traded for a first rounder, lights the world on fire, struggles again. And it's like, does it, is he, is he existing? You know, I, I don't know. Well, mind you, the only other, the last thing I'll say, the only other guy that they have listed at around 170 pounds or, or you know, around average lower is Marquise Brown from the Ravens. And albeit he's a fine playmaker and he has his moments, He's not really a guy that I think looking back on it that you would say, oh, yeah, definitely worth the first round pick, 100% solid. That's who we would have taken 10 times out of 10. So I, I think there's I think there's a, an interesting thing that will happen with Devontae Smith that we'll see in five years. Um, I'm not one of those people that likes to judge a draft pick off their first game like everybody else is. A guy throws a quarterback, throws an incomplete pass on his first pass. And like, well, he's a bust. So you got to give it time. But I think it'll be interesting to, to talk about this again in five years as it relates to um, how Devontae Smith performs in the league. If Mike Mayock drafts him, then he'll be a good player because Mike Mayock, uh, <laughs> there's a reason I trusted Mike Mayock over Mel Kuyper. Uh, and it must have done wonders because Mike Mayock got a front office job and Mel Kuyper still, you know, still told me Brady Quinn was going to light the NFL world on fire. So. <laughs> um, Last story, Falcon and uh, Winter Soldier. Once again, I haven't seen it. This is my last story, though, because it's kind of kind of interesting. Uh, Disney Plus, obviously, they are starting to run the world. Disney getting NHL back, and, and it seems like all signs are starting to point that they might end up having the Sunday ticket, my friend. It seems like um, we're going to have to shell out for ESPN Plus forever, it seems like because they're getting all this exclusive stuff, but it's just, 
sometimes I think ESPN's an infomercial just to get you to the next game. Like that's what their daytime programming is. Um, tell me about you know the Bucks versus Cavs at eight PM on uh, Wednesday ESPN, and it's like a featured story on first take. But no, it 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 uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier had a bigger debut apparently. Uh, Disney says than WandaVision and The Mandalorian. And if that's the case, that's pretty massive because that means we're coming for uh, some more uh, shutdowns in the uh, <laughs> in, in the next couple, coming weeks like WandaVision had. I was going to say, you better get your servers ready, Disney, because if your premiere is bigger than those two, you're, um, you're, you're working with fire. <laughs> Because those two shows have been, again, I, I talk, I say it, you know, social media kind of crafts to what you like, but I could not avoid the one division or Mandalorian hype. And I feel like it'll be the same thing with Falcon and Winter Soldier now, because if it's debuting bigger, I, I've already seen, I've already seen some people talking about it, but if it's going to be as big or bigger than those shows, potentially, you, you're not going to be able to get away from it. But uh, have you ever seen the thing? You mentioned a, a funny point about ESPN. Have you ever seen, I think it was a tweet. It was like ESPN News should be named ESPN. This is where the game starts before it goes on to the regular network. No, I haven't seen that. And before they moved all their ESPN radio simulcast shows to ESPN Plus, ESPN News for like the last like five or six years was just a channel where Mike and Mike was or Golic and Wingo, like it's just all the like ESPNU. What what does air? What is the best thing that's aired on ESPNU in the last three years? It's probably that BYU Coastal Carolina game, and they got lucky. And I can you even seriously? Isn't ESPN like an infomercial to get you to the next game? Get up, first take, whatever comes on after that. I guess Sports Center, and it's just preview after preview, eight eight Eastern, nine thirty Eastern. And most of the time, unless it's sporting event like March Madness, it is games that are featured on ESPN and like they are featured stories. Like hearing Stephen A talk about Khabib the other day, retiring or today, whenever it was, it's like, man, (laughs) do you know what Khabib did in his career? And he just kept saying how great he was and all this kind of stuff, but not like giving substance. And I, I just sometimes I feel like ESPN, as great of a company as they are, they're just infomercial to get you to watch their next game. Well, and that's why I worried uh, initially whenever they talked about bringing hockey back. Because as much as you reminded me about Barry Melrose and, and how much I love Barry Melrose, I also remember and can still see ESPN not giving love to hockey at all. So, it, you know, it worries me about that. And, and that makes sense. But I understand that football and basketball are bigger sports, but. Disney is still behind the scenes, basically running the entire show, having all the best content, making people subscribe to their platform, watching the Winter Soldier, and potentially pulling in the Sunday ticket too, which is, which, you know, I I think my only concern with the Sunday ticket then would just be, um, then if it it goes to an ESPN network, who are all the broadcasters going to be? Because the ESPN A-team wouldn't, they weren't great for a while. Well, with Sunday Ticket, as you know, it's the games that are on Fox and CBS. They're just casted through their platform. So that's through Direct TV. Okay, so it wouldn't be that ESPN is then taking the games away. From, it would still be CBS airing the games. 
Yeah, it'd still be CBS and Fox. And, um, I mean, all signs are point to that it, it will land at ESPN Plus or possibly our friends over at Peacock. But uh, by the way, not to get derailed like we do sometimes, did you see that uh, they offered Skip Bayless, uh, 62-year-old Skip Bayless, $8.5 million to come back and host first take with uh, Stephen A. Is Are TV shows really worth that much? It that, must be. That's my question. So here's a here's a fun one for you. So Skip Bayless is the host of a TV show, right? And I, I you know, again, we're not going to go 2D road here, but what'd you say? Eight point how much? 8.5. 8.5. You know, Sidney Crosby makes $8.7 million a year to play hockey. Well, Stephen A is going to have to learn his name if, if, since they have hockey now. So <laughs> that's going to be fun is listening yeah. to these ESPN personalities try to uh, circle back around and be like, oh, yeah, hockey is my favorite. I, I also had a complaint about that, too. And, and I'm probably getting derailed here right now. When the, when the Penguins played the Predators in the Stanley Cup final a couple years back, I had no problem with Nashville. I had no problem with the fans. They passed me in Hockey City. What I had a problem with is when they would waltz Luke Bryan up onto the stage at, at an intermission, and he'd be like, well, I watched hockey when I was a six-year-old boy. I was like, buddy, you didn't know what a hockey stick was until you walked into this damn arena. That was my issue with, with Nashville, is they'd parade these country music stars around like they loved hockey and it, it clear as day they didn't so well, dude in nbcsn before they aired a stanley cup game you would have thought you were at the cmas with as many country stars they were putting out there carrie underwood makes sense she's married to mike fisher he's yeah, on the team. that made sense yes <laughs> but you know what when toby keith walks out there and he talks about hockey i don't believe him <laughs> no 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 it just, you know, don't don't try to sell me that, you know, Dirks Bentley is the biggest Predators fan in the world. He doesn't even know how to, um, I don't know, I'm, we're, I'm getting sidetracked. But country music can exist fine, and I respect and, and like country music, get Amazon Music backslash to Ryan Sports. But you can also have the two mutually exclusive, too. Like, just don't pretend to be the fan that you're not. That That's really all I'm getting at. Yep. All right, so... Uh, last story here, basketball. This will kind of lead us in a little bit here. Uh, this is this is not about a, a league, a team, a game, anything like that. Uh, it's it's about an interesting thing that I saw brought up on Twitter, and and I actually I'm I'm buying this. I'm buying this hardcore. I don't understand why the world is the way that it is still today in doing this. College basketball coaches, basketball coaches in general, should be wearing sweatsuits, sweatpants polos, dry fit, something like that. I'm done with them wearing suit and ties. There's absolutely no reason that a college basketball coach should be wearing a suit and tie on the sideline, in my opinion. Uh, you've seen me dress in this podcast for a few months now. I, I hate, I don't even necessarily like putting on a polo always. Um, you know, that that's, that's fine with me. But, you know, when it comes to like ties, it, it just, it doesn't feel comfortable. And I'm, I'm actually buying this movement of, of these younger coaches kind of coming up through now, kind of bucking that trend of, of having to wear a suit and tie. I'm, I'm very much here for it. Yeah. As far as us dressing for the podcast, I mean, <laughs> we do this from home. So and it's not like we're, we look at other, like if you look at other podcasts, like if you watch them on YouTube, yeah, everyone's relaxed, but we, I actually, I'm, I'm putting it out there right now. And I, I've said it before. 
we might be the most relaxed podcast that there is. Like, we have TV goings. I mean, it's just a like a relaxed environment. You always got your Arnold Palmer. Um, it, it's it uh, it's quite a scene. But then you see our guy Rick Pitino. Uh, my, well, my guy Rick Pitino, uh, dressed on the sideline the other day. Uh, that's why I think you're bringing this up. Maybe not, but dressed in a fantastic suit. His suit game was unbelievable. And I also, <laughs> sometimes when I see a coach in a suit, I feel like that guy takes himself too seriously because that's the guy that tells you that you got to dress a certain way before you go to an away game. Oh, the, those kind of coaches. And you, you do got to be relaxed in an environment. Now, if it's a national championship, that's a little different. I also will never understand the guy like, um, what was his, Al Golden, Al Golden, not in a suit and tie, but he used to be the head coach of Miami, and he would dress in a dress shirt and a tie. And it's like, dude, you are in Miami, Florida right now, coaching the Hurricanes, wearing dress pants, a shirt, and a tie. And we all thought, yeah, that's going to work out. I mean, we should have known right then and there when he dressed like that for every game that he was going to be fired, and he was. It's so I, – I, I don't know, man. The, the whole suit and tie thing, I've never really understood it. Sometimes I do for championship games. Obviously, press conferences make sense. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I find it – the, the one thing that I, I think – I think it's a generational thing. I just stumbled over my words and said I think four times there. But what I – what I think it is, is a generational thing. I think it's very much a generational thing where people are saying like, oh, if you're not in this, you're not professional. That, that's just not it. I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think if somebody, the, the example you talk about of like showing up to a championship game, people roasted Tom Brady whenever he showed up to the, to the Super Bowl in basically like a long sleeve shirt and jeans. Tom Brady's the best quarterback that's ever lived. He can wear whatever he wants. I don't, he doesn't have to put it on a shirt and tie to impress me to tell me he's going to win another Super Bowl because he could show up in a spandex speedo and I think he's still going to win. It doesn't matter, you know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not wear that. But point is, is I, I don't think it matters. I, I think I think as we move into this next generation, I think people realize though that it's more about the actual people. And, and I think, I think there's even a, a respect level sometimes when it comes to the, to the, to the coaches. And, and you alluded to it a little bit about taking yourself too seriously. I feel like, and this is, this sounds dumb and probably also why I've never been a college athlete in any capacity. If I'm showing up and I see the, all these coaches in suits and it's really formal and all this, I don't know how I'd feel about that. But if I saw like Bob Huggins, or I, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but uh, the gentleman from Oklahoma State who wears the T-shirt with all the black head coaches on the back of, of his T-shirt and, you know, his Nike sweatpants, golf pants, I'd rather play for one of them. I'd rather play for a coach who's a little bit more relaxed in that sense and is, is, is energetic with his players and, and, again, doesn't take himself too seriously. I, I just don't think the suit and tie is the way to do it anymore. Um do you remember back a few years ago when a couple NFL coaches did that for, for a game, basically to honor the past and, and dressed up like the Vince Lombardi's and George Hallis's of past? It was terrible. I was like, there's a reason that we don't do this anymore. Yeah, I, I think if it happens anywhere 
frequently more it's basketball which doesn't shock us and i don't know why but hockey i always seen bruce Bordeaux, um and, and guys like uh john tortorella dressed in suits behind the glass like what are you doing if a hockey coach comes out in a in a zip-up jacket and you know like golf pants or golf pants are comfortable like that's like the ideal dress pant in my opinion but if a if a hockey coach comes out in like a full zip or like even like a button like what i have like a little button on my pirates jacket here right now but if you have something like that i'm like cool I don't, you don't need to wear a suit for me to think you're a good coach. Do you win games? Coach naked. I don't care. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know but, about that either. That might be a yeah. hot take alert. But Ryan, before we get to weekend recap, look, there's a lot of basketball, but when I'm watching the game, sometimes I just want to relax. And the best way to do that um, and not get stressed out during a WVU game, which we'll talk about on the weekend recap, is by listening to music and that's on Amazon music and to cope with the loss of WVU that they had against Syracuse. Um, I was listening to uh, 50 cent. Mm. What song? Uh, Into club. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a, I mean, that's the classic 50 cent song in my opinion. I know some people would disagree with that, but uh, yeah, well, and, and now we're moving into the, the the point of the tournament where there's more breaks in between games. So you have a little bit of downtime so you can relax with a little music in between. With Amazon Music, uh, you can find playlists that are more catered to your taste or you can create playlists with music that you download. Uh, but signing up with Amazon Music is simple. You can sign up with the code. Sign up, well, with the URL, I should say. Get amazonmusic.com backslash two Ryan sports to sign up today. Uh, so my weekend, actually, there's there's been one song I couldn't get out of my head all weekend. Uh, it's a it's a rock. I mean, it's a rock song, but it's a little bit softer. It's called. Uh, now I have to pull up my Amazon Music here to look at it. Catch. It's called Catch the Wind by Being as an Ocean. It's like a rock song, but it's a little bit softer. Also, I want to give you a little bit of a throwback because I posted this on my Instagram story today, and, and I came up in a shuffle on one of the playlists superstar by lupe fiasco you remember that song uh i don't think uh i remember that song now okay well i'm not gonna sing it because i like our listeners and our listeners respect us and don't want me to do that so superstar by lupe fiasco find it on amazon music put it on your queue go back to a little bit of nostalgia of the 2007 era of, of hip-hop and rap music but sign up with Amazon Music today. Make your playlist with all your 50 Cent Lupe Fiasco. Put some Being as an Ocean on there, too, to, to spice it up a little bit. Whatever you like. We talked about country music, too. You throw a little Toby Keith on there. You really um, you really have a, a mix there for everybody, a little bit everybody that, <laughs> that everyone likes. Uh, but, again, sign up with the URL, getamazonmusic.com, backslash 2 Ryan Sports to sign up and start listening today. Okay, uh, halftime, 43-40, Michigan. Uh, Ohio down 45 to 65 minutes left in the second half. Florida State and Colorado, we got a classic slugfest. We're going to talk about the Pac-12 here in a moment. What a weekend. And, you know, we're not going to do what we do for NFL where we do a deep dive on every game. We're going to kind of go by the regions and look at key teams so far that – 
because the first weekend isn't even over yet. And by the time our second recording comes out on Friday, it'll be Sweet 16 matchup, so we can preview that. However, we're going to go region by region, look at the key teams so far that have played well. Now, if team when we go through some of these teams, some of these teams are going to be playing when we're talking. So, you know, we don't know if they're going to win or lose, but we're going to compare them on what we've seen so far in the tournament. Fair? Sounds like a plan to me. I like it. It, it was a fun weekend. And like, like you said, I think we have a lot to talk about, even not talking about every game. So let's go through the West region. Gonzaga, number one seed. They're already in the Sweet 16. Kind of a kind of an easy win for them today against Oklahoma. Oklahoma played Missouri, won. Creighton, obviously, we just talked about them. They're up on Ohio right now. Ohio, kind of an interesting upset, and we'll, we'll touch on that here in a moment. USC Drake, Kansas, Eastern Washington, Oregon VCU, Iowa Grand Canyon. Now let's start with Oregon VCU. Oregon and VCU so far has been the only game that was postponed or canceled mm-hmm. due to a forfeit for VCU having too many COVID tests. Whatever that means, I felt like, of course, they got the wrong end of the deal because they, the NCA could have clearly said, hey, we will put in a replacement team and move your game one day over or something like that. I don't know. You know, it, maybe it would have thrown the whole tournament off, but it, it is what it is. And, you know, it sucks. It sucks for VCU. It really does. Iowa. I don't know what to think of Iowa anymore. They had a great season. They had Luca Garza, AP player of the year. They get, to be honest with you, they get smashed today against Oregon. The way Oregon controlled them in, inside the paint and in transition was kind of impressive. In that West region, you have Ohio. Now they may or may not come out and pull out uh, against Creighton. Um, and get on a run here in a moment. But that win against Virginia was tough for them. That was a classic low seed beats a high, uh, high seed, has a tough matchup the second game, and you wouldn't be shocked if they lose. Right now, that's the way things look for them. Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington, to me, as w- in the Kansas game, was the most exciting so far out of the West region. You had Eastern Washington really push Kansas to the brink, and Kansas needed a 7-0 run early in the second half to kind of maintain the pace. And right now, Gonzaga being in the Sweet 16, I really still don't know what to feel about them because the way they controlled Oklahoma, okay, that's fine. But Oklahoma had a lot of problems with Missouri. And Gonzaga, I don't know, if they get to the Final Four, they would have to go through Oregon. And Oregon right now is one of those Pac-12 teams. USC is going to play Kansas later tonight. And the game would have already happened by the time you hear this. But the Pac-12 is undefeated so far in tournament play, which is really shocking because all Big Ten teams are out except for Michigan. And actually, I believe that's it. Michigan's the only one left. And Maryland. Maryland, excuse me. So what do we think about the West region so far? I, I really don't know what to think about Gonzaga. I feel like it could be setting up for a Gonzaga, Oregon right now in the Elite Eight. And, man, Oregon looked fantastic against today against Iowa. But Iowa's had some problems in, in the last couple of weeks in that Wisconsin game they had at the uh, senior, uh, senior day. Um, 
in the at the uh, end of the regular season. That was a struggle for them to win that game. Yeah, I, I think the way the West is shaping up right now, it it almost feels like it's tailor made for Gonzaga to to make it to the Final Four. Uh, I, I think the toughest test coming out of it would be Oregon at, at this point. Uh, certainly, you know, USC or Kansas would present their own own problems. But I, I think the way Oregon, it's almost like that extra day helped them in a sense. You know, you play one less game, you're not as gassed, you still have your legs under you. I mean, I, I, think, the, I think that kind of fatigue factor could be very, very real here when it comes to Oregon. And it almost did them a favor by doing it that way. But I, I think Gonzaga, I think Gonzaga is still the clear favorite here. Um, no trouble with Norfolk State and, and not really too much trouble with Oklahoma either throughout the game. You know, we, we talked about how Gonzaga seemingly can't get over the hump, but I, I really think the way stuff has set itself up that they should be in the that they should be in the final four from this region. Uh, look, you're you're right. That throughout the throughout the day, the Kansas Eastern Washington game, it, it almost looked like we were going to see another one of those big upsets. And, and over the years, we see a lot of these games too, right? We remember the teams that upset teams. And, and we'll get to some of those games a little bit later, but we remember the VCUs, the Florida Gulf Coasts, the, the George Masons. There are a lot of other games where teams push a team to the brink and just can't pull it out. This is another one of those games. We, we may not remember Eastern Washington. By the way, their football team has red turf on the field, similar to Boise's blue. So uh, I think that might be a strike against them. But there, there are games like this that challenge teams like Kansas. Now, Kansas, again, we've, we've documented this throughout college basketball. They're in a down year. But that, that still doesn't excuse the fact in the sense that they're also coming into this a three seed struggling and, and getting some win taken out of them from a team like Eastern Washington. Even if they pull it out against USC, it's still going to be a little bit of a struggle. I think that'll be another good game, but I, I still stand by, I think this is Gonzaga's bracket to lose. I don't, I don't foresee them losing and at least until the final four, in my opinion. It's championship or bust for them. I feel like we've said that before only for them to let us down. Yeah. I I mean, uh, and it is incredible, incredible that (laughs) Virginia let Ohio kind of control the game in the second. Do you know what the score of that was at halftime? Well, I mean, I know Virginia was involved. I don't remember, but if my. It was like 32, 30. I was going to say, if Virginia's involved, my guess is probably like 25 to 24. It was like, it was horrible to watch. It was horrible to watch. So you, you, did you see the stat about Virginia over the weekend too? Virginia's last three tournaments, obviously they didn't have it last year. So the last three times Virginia's played in the tournament, they lose to UMBC as a one seed. They win the national championship. And now they're ousted in the first round again as a four seed by 13 Ohio. You want to talk about a roller coaster? Yeah. Um, and Tony Bennett gets the benefit of the doubt because he did win them the national title. Like he'll be there for a while because he won them the national title. Two first round exits to double digit seed teams is not always the best way to uh, no. present yourself otherwise, though. Going to the East region, Michigan, um, 
they're up one at the half right now. I <laughs> we'll talk about the Big Ten here in uh, a few Ooh. seconds. LSU St. Bonaventure. LSU really kind of controlled that game. Georgetown, I thought Georgetown was going to have one of the 12-5 upsets. That did not happen. Uh, really, it was kind of a, a no match from, from the get-go. UCLA, um, they're in the Sweet 16. That, that's kind of unbelievable to say because it feels like forever since they've been there. Um, and I know it's been forever since they've been to the Final Four. Alabama versus Slick Rick. Maryland, they're going to play uh, Alabama. Uh, well, once again, games would have already happened. But in that East region, look, man, Michigan and Maryland are the only two teams left out of the Big Ten at this point of us recording. By the time this episode comes out tomorrow, there could be no Big Ten teams left. That conference is so deep, was so deep all year. Everyone thought it was just kind of a no-brainer that someone from the Big Ten was going to win the national title, including myself, maybe even you. Nine teams out of the 14 in the tournament. I don't know what's happened there. I really don't know what to think of UCLA. They beat kind of a, an odd BYU team, and they beat a, a Abilene Christian team who, let's be honest, had the classic March Madness of shocking people in an in a upset and then the kid does the horns down, goes viral all over the internet, and then they get smoked by UCLA. Maryland could be a problem if they make it to the Sweet 16 for UCLA. I don't trust Alabama. I, I still kind of have no faith in Michigan. And if, I mean, the, the whole East region to me, I don't know where, where I feel like a team from here is going to make a deep run and get to a championship because someone has to make it to the final four out of the region, but I don't know who's going to make the champion. So I'm, I'm not one to promote my personal social media because you would be very disappointed to follow me on any social media, but I actually did have a, a, a fun little tweet about the, um, the Texas Abilene Christian upset so I know you've seen this because we're WVU fans. We've experienced it and seen it. So Texas, for some reason, when they lose, they get, they get so mad when people do the horns down as if you don't know it's going to happen. You know, you, you are so passionate about your horns up and the horns that when somebody does the horns down, they, they just get so mad. I don't understand why. So the, the like NCAA March Madness or whatever, somebody, Fox College Sports, I don't know who tweeted it out. Somebody tweeted a picture of them in the locker room with all their horns down. I quote tweeted it and just said, assault. <laughs> Texas, probably. Because I, I don't, I just can't understand that. You know, you, you know what's going to happen. You know that you get picked on when you lose. Mm. I mean, everyone gets picked on when they lose. Especially when you're supposed to beat a team like Abilene Christian. But I mean, that's, that's six and one, but Abilene Christian's one of the fun stories of the tournament. Now, obvious, excuse me, obviously they're, they're done, but Hey, fun while it lasted fun to say you had a big upset over a three seed like Texas, but let, let me ask you about the big 10 because I, I, I was going to put this in my buy or sell, but wanted to wait 
uh, until the back half because I, I thought it was more appropriate here in, in this segment. Do you think, now we talked about, um, we talked about the Big Ten and the Big 12 as kind of the, the deeper of the conferences, um, the, the, you know, you just play great teams all season. Do you think that that in, in the tournament, at least for the Big Ten, has worked against them to a sense where you have been kind of beaten up all season by these teams? So when you get to the tournament, your legs aren't under as you as much. Is, is there a fatigue factor for the Big Ten? No, I don't think so, because if you look at the old Big East days that helped teams in the tournament, um, same goes for the Big Ten. I feel like that's helped them get to the tournament. It just, it's kind of odd, too, because the, what, what's happened, and especially in the UCLA-Michigan State game, that game was incredible. I don't know if you watched that game uh, as one of the first four, but it seems like what happened, instead of their conference being so deep and then beating up each o- on each other and them not being as fresh getting to the tournament, it seems like what happened is the matchups that they have played against other teams have just not benefited them. Like, like we're going to talk about Illinois here in a moment, but Illinois versus Loyola Chicago, that's not a good matchup. Illinois likes to slow things down, likes to play in half court. They like to play in transition. Loyola Chicago plays tough D. They play almost kind of like an old West Virginia press type defense. They play really space out kind of basketball. That's not something that Illinois was really accustomed to other than maybe Michigan. Ohio State doesn't play like Oral Roberts plays, like Oral Roberts has fast guard play and moves off the ball. And we'll talk about them here in a moment and how their enrollment's probably skyrocketed for admissions counselors. But like that doesn't benefit Ohio State. Like Ohio State has good guard play, but when it comes to a, when it comes to spacing, they can't play with Oral Roberts. Does that make sense? Like Oral Roberts has better spacing on the floor, playing better, with the point guards in Ohio state does. I, it feels like that's what the case has been in the case of a team like uh, Alabama though, like Alabama feels like them or Michigan. And I know that's cliche to say they are one or it's, you know, the one in the two seed in that region, but Alabama did play well against slick Rick. <laughs> they um, certainly could make a run to the elite eight. We're going to talk about Arkansas in a moment. Arkansas is a fascinating team, but I just, I don't know what to make of the East region anymore. It, it, it is kind of chaotic. And if someone makes the championship game out of that region, it'll shock me. I, it doesn't feel like there's a clear favorite here personally. I, I, I don't think so. At least um, I'll be honest. I didn't even, no, and, and this is probably ignorant of me to say, but I, I didn't realize that Colorado's basketball team was that good. <laughs> I just thought that they kind of just existed in some ether, but they're also a five seed and, and could be onto the Sweet 16 whenever this comes out. So who knows? But it, it just it doesn't feel like there's a it, it doesn't feel like there's a champion in this bracket. But the, the thing is, is Michigan still has that potential. They're, they are one of those teams that can really turn that on. And you're right, it is cliche to sit here and say, oh, Gonzaga the one seed and Michigan the one seed. But there's also a reason you're a one seed. There's a reason that you've earned that seed and, and have that ability to do it. The, the tournament, that, and I was sitting here thinking about this in the past couple of days looking at this, the tournament is about being able to string together six consecutive wins. And how do you do that? 
How can you string together these wins and do it? You might play a bad game. You might have a bad game or a close game along the way, but how do you recover from it and put it all back together? It's completely feasible to think that Michigan, you know, has, has gotten some of the, you know, the, the worst out of them. They see the other big 10 teams eliminated and say, well, we got to stick this out, but it's also possible that there's, there's a level of pressure to that, that they, that they're not able to come up to. And, and maybe they lose to LSU at the time this comes out. I don't know. But the point is, is it, it just doesn't feel like there's a, a team that it just doesn't feel like there's a team that's going to go all the way here. And, and, if, if you would have asked me if I thought Alabama was a basketball school, I, again, I didn't even realize that they had a successful basketball program. My cousin is a graduate of Alabama, and I really, I think they have a good golf team and softball team along with football, but apparently add basketball to the list. By the way, final score, Creighton, um, it's official. They're, they, uh, they're moving on to the Sweet 16. Um, what an interesting couple of weeks it's been for them, right? We're not going to get into that, but uh... – with everything going on <laughs> well and and yeah there's there's a lot of levels to that too but um ohio being done you know you eliminate a four seed and it's another one of those um one and done upsets if you will not necessarily a, a cinderella if you will more of a just a just a fun upset to talk about so we told you in our preview that hartford could be the one 16 seed that has a lead against a one seed early in the first half and you go, Ooh, I'm going to put on this game, see what's going on here. And that's, that is legitimately word for word. What happened? Hartford was up 18 to 10 up eight points in the blink of an eye. They were down nine and they lost the game 79 55. Like that is your classic one versus 16 seed that matchup that you get every year where a 16 seed takes the lead on a, one seed early in the first half and the blink of an eye it's over Winthrop I kept riding high on Winthrop I really did you know that I was I was riding high on Winthrop they got um their problem in that game was was rebounds they couldn't rebound the ball on the offensive side of the glass and um it's frustrating to watch teams not make free throws Wisconsin North Carolina I didn't know what to think of that game Wisconsin smokes North Carolina but then they get crushed by Baylor Texas Tech Utah State that was a little surprising Chris Beard's one of the best coaches in in, in the nation I think I think we we're, I starting, we're starting to underrate him a little bit and we don't pay attention to him as much I mean the man made a national championship the last time the tournament was in place so he's clearly a good coach um they had a fan did you watch any of that Arkansas Texas Tech game yesterday they went on a um like a 12-0 run uh, and they ended up losing by two. That game uh, was incredible. Also like to say that I'm a big fan of Arkansas. Yeah, we're going to talk about them uh, right now here in a second. Arkansas beats Colgate. That game was surprising at the half because Colgate was giving it to them all game, and then about three minutes left in the second half, they just pull away. Florida Virginia Tech, that was the first game of the day. First game of the tournament goes to overtime. Virginia Tech hits a three to take it to overtime with two seconds to left. Uh, that was incredible. And then Ohio State, Oral Roberts. I mean, we have to talk about that. That's a massive collapse. It's not that Oral Roberts is a bad team. It's you look at the seeds, two versus a 15. It's the second time a 15 seeds made the Sweet 16. We get all that. We've heard it at nauseum now in the last 10 hours. But what's frustrating is Ohio State had every chance to win that game. They took it to overtime. 
it was the it was the second game of the day and they took it to overtime like i don't i don't understand what went wrong and if you look at oral roberts wins okay 3 points 3 points mm-hmm. their next matchup is against the must bus and dude i love arkansas like if i if i would have picked them at the beginning of my bracket to make the national championship i think that would have been a solid pick i didn't do it cuz i felt like they could get upset but let's look at their road, a possible road. They play Oral Roberts. Baylor plays Villanova. If they get Baylor, that matchup benefits them so much more, so much more than, than if they were to get Villanova. Because Baylor, as we know from watching Big 12 basketball this year when WVU plays them, what does Baylor like to do? They like to play inside the paint. And what does Arkansas like to do? Run up and down the court like they are the flash out of the comics. I mean, those guys just run up and down. I think he probably makes them do like 10 running court drills a day, the way they run up and down that thing. It's um, the South region is turning out to be my favorite region so far. I think how crazy is it that we're going to get an Arkansas Oral Roberts game in the Sweet 16 next week? And if Oral Roberts wins, could you imagine? I mean, their enrollment, they've probably had like 10,000 applications in the last like hour. Um, it it's it's a it's not a joke i mean like we make the joke but like it's not a joke people really do like apply to schools and look at them after like massive upsets like this so i love the south region arkansas is starting to feel like the favorite in that region i can't believe Oral roberts beat ohio state because they got lucky in that game honestly and then the florida game last night it's like florida's up and then they're down and then they're up again and you feel like, okay, this is the matchup that they should lose. And now we're going to be looking at media coverage all week from Oral Roberts campus. Be honest with me. Did you know where Oral Roberts was? I have no idea where it is. Like, if I'll take a guess right now. I think it's probably what? In like Dakota, like North Dakota. Okay. that That's not that I thought you were going to be completely wrong. Like I, I, but that's actually a lot closer than I probably would have guessed. Uh, it's in Oklahoma. So it's, it's still like, I know that's not like, you know, right next to each other, but it's in that like tornado alley of, yeah, of states. So it's in a flat state, but uh, I also just looked up their enrollment too, just, uh, just so we know this. Um, oh, where did it go? Go back. My mouse is weird. Uh, 3,500 enrollment in their college. They're, um, they're going to be busy. They're going to be busy over the next couple of weeks. That is absolutely certain that they will be busy. Um, you're right. I mean, we, we've talked about it. It's, it's actually a common thing that we talk about in, in a sports like curriculum. And, and even, you know, you hear it in journalism too. That's what happens. Teams do this. Teams win games. People are like, oh, I've never heard of Oral Roberts. Maybe I'll look there for college. And that's what happens. I mean, it happened to West Virginia back in 2007 when when the Pat White and Steve Slayton era almost took them to a national championship. Applications and enrollments went way up that year. So, hey, good on you, Oral Roberts. I, I love Cinderella teams. I love when they make it to the Sweet 16. Because I feel like that's the benchmark of you saying that they – is that a fair statement? The benchmark of saying a Cinderella team is winning two games in the tournament. You can win an upset game 
as, as like a 15 over a two. Um, I think, was it Iona that did it over Duke? But I think they were then ousted the next round. I think qualifying as a Cinderella would probably be getting to the Sweet 16. Yeah, and if they beat Arkansas, that that's not like – they beat Ohio State, okay. They beat Florida, all right. But Arkansas, <laughs> that's a tough matchup. Like Ohio State wasn't no easy, wasn't easy either. But if they beat Arkansas and get to the Elite Eight and they get that Elite Eight game on Monday, could you imagine what happens? Just the possibility – if they make the final four, like it is, you know, what's going to happen too. When Florida Gulf coast made the sweet 16, you know how ESPN does the, uh, the, the uh, tip off madness. I don't know if they, I think they still do that where they do like 24 hours straight of tip off of college basketball. And you got teams playing at like 6.00 AM. They're going to get one of those games. <laughs> They're going to get one of those games. Cause Florida Gulf coast got one of those games and Florida Gulf coast was ranked like in the top 25 the next year. They were ranked like number 12 or 13 after they had made the sweet 16. So it, ah, oh man, you're, you're going to be looking at reporters if, on sports center doing live shots all day for Moral Roberts campus, if anything, doing zoom shots. As somebody who works in college admissions, I can't imagine that Oral Roberts was the busiest university in the world just based on enrollments and basically how big the college is, but their admissions people now, I would imagine there's more than one. Um, those people are, they, they are, they were probably rooting for them not to win in some sense. So they're like, I will not be able to keep up for the next two weeks. And, and if they get to the elite eight and, and potentially on, <laughs> you're going to have to hire someone quick and it's coming out of the basketball team's, it's coming out of the basketball team's money because you're it's all your fault that, that we're doing this. But yeah. hey, the the other thing I like though about this, and and it's it's kind of unfortunate because I love Arkansas and I love Varick Musselman. I, I think I mentioned it on the last show, maybe I've said it to somebody else, but um the the statement that he made leading into the tournament, handing his teams the tickets. Did you see that video? Uh-uh. So leading into the tournament, he he handed his um, handed his team the ticket that they needed to to get in, and he's like, "Everyone gets one of these, and it's up to you how long you're able to use it." Basically, the it takes six games to win mentality. There's no re-entry, but how long are you going to use this ticket? Because other teams will not use it as long. Oh. And and there was something about that that I just. I couldn't get out. Like I fell in love with that. It's so simple, but there's a subtle way to fire a team up. And if you handed me a ticket and say, how long are you going to keep this? I'd, I'd, I'd be ready to run through a brick wall because I want to keep it. And, and I think there's something that his players are showing up for him. So it's unfortunate that we're kind of watching the, the possibility of eliminating Arkansas or Oral Roberts because they're two of my favorite tournament s- stories, but you know, some, sometimes that happens. Are we shocked Baylor's um, still in the tournament after the uh, You know, I, we we mentioned it with the we mentioned it with the Oregon thing. I think there is a, a factor of rest benefiting a team in some senses. 
where, you know, again, it's not even necessarily considered rest when you're off with COVID protocols for a long time, because obviously some players are not practicing, but I can't say I'm I'm not. I think Baylor is good enough to still be, excuse me, in the tournament and, and make a deep run. Obviously, you get a number one seed for a reason. But I, I think they are um, they are a very upset potential prone team. Maybe maybe not even an upset. I feel like when when like a two or three beats a one and they're saying, Oh, it's an upset. It's not really an upset, but I I feel like Arkansas can come out of here. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough. Looking at the last region, Illinois, they crushed Drexel. Loyola, Chicago, Oregon State. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just – it's incredible. I mean, they need to win the Pac-12 tournament to get in the tournament. They do that. They get a 12 seed. They play a Tennessee team who really had fell off since February. Win there. Oklahoma State, Cade Cunningham – um, has he announced that he's going to the NBA draft? Just kidding. Uh, San Diego State, Syracuse. Uh, I am so tired of hearing about how good the zone is. I get it. West Virginia. Rutgers, that was amazing. That was so cool to see them get a win against Clemson. They should have beat Houston last night. And I, I really don't know how Houston won that game. They, they should, that should have been the like lock of the, of the day that Rutgers, if you looked at that score at halftime and then early in the second half, they should have won that game. Loyola, Chicago, here we go again. I mean, it's it's like, uh, I get it. Sister Jean's 101. You got the whole thing riding on your side. And if they make the final four again, it's like, here we go again. And Oregon State, I would love, love, to see Oregon State play Loyola Chicago. West Virginia playing Syracuse yesterday. That was an old uh, Big East matchup. Bob Huggins being all pissed off because a foul wasn't called. And I'm not one to sit here and say refs, you know, ruin the game or whatever. But that that was a momentum changer. West Virginia was on an 8-0 run. They're down to 74-72. And what happens? They don't call the out-of-bounds call on Syracuse. Like that's a killer because what, and also to be honest with you, West Virginia, that last possession, I don't, I hadn't seen a, a dribble like that in ages. Like, I, I don't know how that happened. And then, I mean, really out of the Midwest region, it's kind of anybody's game. I mean, you're going to have Syracuse, you're going to have Houston, you're going to have Loyola, Chicago, maybe Oregon state or Oklahoma state. If we look at anyone in that region, I feel like Syracuse is probably the, the most logical point choice at this point. If Oregon State was, was to make, though, the Sweet 16 or even the Final Four, Elite Eight, whatever, that would be awesome. It, it would be, honestly, if I had to root for extreme chaos, give me Oral Roberts and Oregon State in the Final Four. Oh, that can you imagine how much that would irritate people of like traditional basketball? realms because like what was it it's the first time that we didn't have duke unc or kentucky in the sweet 16 since 79 roy williams loses his first ever first round game and like then you're talking about potentially putting a 15 seed and a an 11 seed or 12 seed in the in the elite eight i love it <laughs> i love it 
I, I, I love that kind of chaos. Right. And you know, one, one thing I want to say, I, I, I love the Loyola Chicago. I, I know that the, sometimes the, the bigger media beats the sister gene thing to death and, and, and I get it. Sometimes it gets old, but the, the one thing that I respect about sister Jean more than anything, in, in my opinion, did you see her, they like quoted her pregame prayer before the game? Yeah, she went all analytical for some reason. I love that because it's it's very easy to stay in a prayer to let us win this game. But she broke it down into the point to say, like, these are the things we need to happen. So she's she's not seeing the overarching hole. She's picking the actual points to say if they shoot from under 30% at three, and if we shoot from 50% or whatever, we can win this game. So she's looking a little bit more specific at it. Than, than just the overarching hole. And I have a lot of respect for that because you're you're really into the analytics here. But um I'm I'm a I'm on the sister gene train I was a couple years ago too. It's 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 a fun story. It's a fun narrative. Um did you also see and I, I can't remember the player's name, um the guy from Illinois who sat with the Big Ten title the way that Kobe sat with the oh, NBA uh, championship. A-O, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, but A-Y-O is his first name. Okay, so they were like, there is no feasible realm that you can do this picture and then lose to Loyola in the tournament. You can't do that. That's that's not how this works. If if you're going to do that, you better be ready to win the entire thing. And they are certainly not. Um, you know, it's 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 funny though because you you talk about Syracuse and and watching the game yesterday versus West Virginia, and this <laughs> sounds stupid, but it really all comes down to how hot their shooting is, because yesterday just some of those shots that they were making, you can't go, you're not going to guard a guy at the logo, so if if they're able to continually make shots, they're a dangerous team, and and maybe maybe we didn't think that coming out, but it kind of goes back to one thing that we talked about last week. And that's when you have a coach that has experience in the tournament and has been there and done that, he can help kind of cater his team to be able to win games. And, and Jim Beheim certainly successful in that realm. So it doesn't shock me that they are where they are, but um, I, I also have a thing. I kind of like seeing the one seeds out of it. So, you know, give me, give me Loyola Chicago or Oregon state. It doesn't matter. Give me Syracuse. Just let's, like you said, let's go for complete chaos. I, I'm, I'm, I want that. That's all the Midwest region is, is complete chaos. I mean, and people didn't think Syracuse would make the tournament. And the last time that they were on the bubble, like in a, a crazy situation like that, they made the final four and they have the chance to do something like that similar again in this tournament where no one thought they were going to make the tournament because they were on the bubble and they make the tournament. Now they're in the sweet 16 and I, 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 I don't know. I think it would be uh, awesome to get Oregon State in a Final Four Elite Eight. That would be complete chaos. It would um, – It yeah, I, I don't know what to think of Midwest region, but Sweet 16 action, live update, LSU up 51-48 um, on Michigan. And, uh, man, if we, if we don't have any Big Ten teams going into the second weekend of the tournament, that's going to be pretty insane. But – we got more basketball to talk on our Friday show weekend preview. Um, no, um, we'll, we'll still do, do we understand? That's a, that's a segment that everyone really loves 
but um, our weekend preview is an actual weekend preview. I mean, we got a lot of Sweet 16 uh, matchups to dive into. We're going to need more people to sneak onto airplanes, though, before Thursday so we can have a good do yeah. we understand. I mean, inevitably, there's always going to be, um, you know, crazy weird news, right? So we don't necessarily have to worry about that. Yeah, and if they want to hear all of our um, segments and uh, follow us and continue to stay updated with us, how are they going to do that? Yeah, well, I mean, there's only one podcast in the world where you can hear about people sitting in bean dip and get March Madness coverage. Mm. And that's this one. There's there's nobody else out there talking about people sitting in bean dips, sneaking onto airplanes, talking about the NFL draft and March Madness all at the same time. So if you want to listen to that podcast, if you are interested in that, we know that you're listening to us now if you've made it this far. But find us on Apple, find us on Spotify, to Ryan Sports Show. Make sure you subscribe, like, rate, rate, review, all those fun things. But make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode on either of those platforms. But also stay up to date with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Make sure you're following us on all those platforms too. To Ryan Sports Show. We've had a lot of tweets over the weekend about basketball, keeping up with all the hot games. That's not slowing down anytime soon. Uh, well, I mean, it, it'll slow down because there's less games, but the tweets are still going to be coming hot. So make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, to Ryan Sports Show. Check us out on Apple and Spotify. And I hope that everyone's enjoying March Madness as much as we are. We'll see everyone Friday. Get ready, folks.